0: Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. This is week three of our teaching on Titus that we're doing through the winter. Uh, This week we had our head elder, Mark Ann, speak, and he shared on the first part of chapter two of the book of Titus. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com, facebook.com forward slash casperchurch, or you can download our app by going to your Play Store or the Apple Store. Just search for Casper Church. There we are. Hope you have a great week. Anyway, yeah, as Jason said, I specifically asked him, "Are you introducing?" He "Oh no, just get up, introduce yourself." So eventually, I will talk about lying, <laughs> but um, we will we will get to that later on. No, um, Jason said, "My name is Mark Ayan." Um, yes, in this area, truly, if the roads are horrible, you can try and call me. Um, I don't know, like anything about it, but. Um, I, I will tell you that I have, I, I carry, I'm one of those weird people who carries two phones. So this is, if if this side of my backside starts buzzing, it's my wife. If this side starts backsizing, it's we have a horrible situation somewhere on a road. So depending on which pocket I reach for, um, you know what to look for. So, um, yeah, I, a lot of you know me, but I've worked for YDOT for 30 years, which Some days seems like nothing, and some days seems like forever, but um, I did it, and it's just so funny because everybody's been making this big, huge deal out of this 30-year thing, and it's just, I've just been like, it's just a plaque that'll go in my file cabinet. I don't even hang them in my office. That's my thing, so anyway, um, but I, you know, Jason had asked, hey, do any of you guys want to... Want to preach on Titus? And I said, Yeah, I'll pick Titus. I like Titus. So I read through the whole book and I said, Give me this passage. So he's like, Okay, January 24th, that's your day. I'm like, Okay. Well, as the day got closer and I kept reading, you know, Jason has said several times, This book is fraught with landmines. Those may not be his exact words, but this book is fraught with landmines. There is stuff in here that could go on and on and on and on and on, um, this could be like a whole year. And in my Bible, it's, it's this much. It's one page and like this little bit amount. So, and there's so much stuff in here. And so this morning, I'm going to be teaching from um, chapter 2, the, verse, first 10 verses, the, verse 10, the first 10 verses, the the first 10 verses. So I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to. Uh, but I'm going to back up a little bit, and I'm going to start actually in chapter one, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness, consciences, are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these words. Lord, as, as I have spent some time reading them, and I've spent some time thinking about them and researching and all the stuff that goes, Lord, I thank you for the things that you have shown me, Father. And I pray now that you would open each one of us Open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to know through this passage, Lord. Uh, We thank you for Paul for being so uh, faithful in writing these words centuries ago. And Father, I just pray now that you would guide us and, uh, and open our minds to your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I get really dry when I'm talking. So... To start with, you know, Paul, you know, but as for you, so that's why I went back a little bit, so that we kind of have some, because if you just start with a but as for you, it's like, well, what is the other thing we're talking about? And so he's talking about all these people, and Jason talked about them last week, and how they're coming in, and they're teaching the stuff that's wrong, and they're breaking things apart, and they're tearing apart families, and all that kind of stuff. So... So Paul gets to this point in his letter to Titus, and he says this, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. Jason's been reading from the NLT. I have the NLT here also, and I will tell you what's very interesting is they read totally different, and Jason's been saying this, so if you haven't explored it, he's not lying about that. They read totally differently. The NLT says, but as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. So we have wholesome teaching. We have sound doctrine. I can tell you there is a several hour-long hole that you can jump down on the interwebs if you just Google sound doctrine. Because it will take you in some places you may not want to be, I'm telling you. Um, But there's also some really good stuff in there too. But what I kind of, as I went through all of that, I'm going to go with this definition. So this is what I'm using so you can have this square in your head for the rest of the time I'm up here yapping this morning. Sound doctrine is in harmony with the message of the Savior. Basically, the gospel. Sound doctrine is the gospel, and it's Jesus. And everything in this passage is going to reflect this. And what I've heard this passage, in my Bible, I think, actually calls it, is uh, lessons for practical Christian living. So in my mind, I'm like, man, I picked the best passage. Because it's going to have a list of things... And all these things I can, like, man, I could make a spreadsheet and I could make a checklist. That's right. John's back here checking stuff off. This is the best passage of all. All these other things that everyone else and Chris is doing, I don't have to worry about that because I got a list. Well, I can tell you there's a list. It's a little different, though. Um, So I'm going to kind of run through these quick, um, kind of glean a couple things. And then I'm going to come back and kind of tell you what I've kind of learned and what I think God wants us as the Casper Alliance Church to know. So the older men, teach the older men to exercise self-control, be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They shall have sound, again, sound faith, and be filled with love and patience. So essentially, when you hear the word "sound," you know you always hear that like being of sound mind and body. What they're talking about there is healthy. You have a healthy mind and a healthy body. If you have sound doctrine, it's a healthy doctrine. If you have sound, um, if you're sound in faith, then your faith is is sound. It's healthy. It's well developed. Um, it also says that the older men are supposed to be growing in faith and love. One commentary, honestly, I swear to you, said, don't be grouchy. Um, this hit me kind of close to home. We, uh, we have a grandson who's almost three that my daughter adopted about a year ago, which was a great day. But it led to the discussion of what do you want your grandchildren to call you? So my son-in-law, Ben, his, his um, grandmother, he always called her grummy. And I thought, grummy? That's kind of fun. I'll be grumpy. <laughs> I got voted down <laughs> because they're like, we don't want our grandchildren to think of you as being grumpy. So, um, but, but I found it very interesting. You know, Older men in the church, don't be grouchy. Don't be grumpy. Sound and steadfastness. You know, the older men are supposed to be uh, showing that they can persevere. That whatever comes their way, they're going to take it, they're going to grab it, they're going to wrestle with it, and they're going to move on. They're not going to give up, they're going to persevere. And that's what God is calling the older men in the church. Now, I'm just going to, as a general disclaimer, Older, I'm trying, not trying to be offensive, but I can tell you looking around who I consider in this room to be older. And I think most of you probably know. Name names? <laughs> Steve Stumbo. <laughs> As an example. Um, and I know also for a fact, when you're dealing with older men, it's pretty safe. When I move on to the next section about older women, it gets just a little trickier. And even, even if you want me to name names, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> so but the issue is, what you see here is if you look through Titus, these qualities that he calls out for older men if you're like that, you're going to stand out. Because society is telling me that older men are grumpy and they just want to be left alone and just they're just going to go on with their life and they don't want to have anything to do with anything. And what Titus is, is being told here by Paul is those older men, they have things to do. These are the things that you need to teach them to be like. So, older women. The NLT says similarly, similarly, Wow, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. This slander concept, and we talked about a little bit about this in Sunday school. I was there for a couple of minutes until the heat drove me out of the room. Toasty in there today. Um, The word here for slander is a single Greek word that that says malicious gossips, and it's used 34 times in the Bible about the devil. So when Paul here is saying don't slander and don't be a malicious gossip, he's talking about a word that the Bible uses to describe the enemy, the devil. Um, And I think we all know, what slander? Not going to spread rumors, not going to spread half-truths, not going to ruin someone's reputation by telling stories. And the older women, you know, don't be drunk. Think self-explanatory. I'm not going to get into that too much. Um, But what I think most interesting is probably the most important task that Paul gives for the older women is to do what? to teach the younger women. And so the younger women, it says, um, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Um, So he says, teach them to love. Teach them to love their husbands, teach them to love their husbands, or their children. In my mind, when I was a lad, shall we say, you think, when I fall in love, we're going to get married, and then life just will sail on. I can tell you, it's not always easy to love your spouse, it's not always easy to love your children. I don't know if there's any kids here, if they're listening, but you have to learn how to love these people. And and Paul recognized that when he wrote this to Titus. He said, you know what? These young women, they need to be taught how to love. They need to teach, they need to teach, or they need to be taught how to how to love, what that means, how to appreciate them, how to pray for them, and how to serve them and to love them. You know, the rest of this passage for the young women, there's a lot of stuff in here. And our society as a whole has taken this passage and other passages very much like it. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 is another big one, if you're looking at it. This whole submit to your husband stuff, The Bible's fairly clear. Wives, submit to your husbands. But as a society and as a world, we have taken it and we have twisted it and we have turned it into something ugly. Something beautiful that God intended has been turned into something totally ugly. And Paul here is saying, and this is when it goes back to that, ignore those other people. They profess to know God, but they deny Him. They're detestable. All that kind of stuff. Teach the young women... Submit to your husbands. Learn to love. Learn to love your husbands. Learn to love your children. And that's what God wants us to do. So, as we move into the young men then, something to keep in mind here is that Paul considers Titus to be a young man. And so, as you read through in here, Starting in verse 6, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. In verse 7, he says, Show yourself. So he's saying, teach the young men this, and by the way, I'm pointing at you, Titus. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Let's face it, young men, and I know there's some of them here too, and you all know who you are, they can be kind of foolish. You know, they, that, I mean, it's that attitude, and I'm going to, Jason said the word last week, so I'm going to say it this week. It's the hold my beer attitude. You know, that that hill, that can be conquered. I can get up that hill, and I can roll down it in a, Empty tire, or you know, we all know the things, and the young men in the room especially know because there are things that you have considered and you've never acted on because generally because your wife was watching, (laughs) sometimes because your mom was watching. So, you know, what Paul here is saying is he's like, young men, be sensible. He also says, and I find it very interesting, that he says, uh, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. You know, if you read in the book of James, uh, there's that phrase that faith without works is dead. You know, as young men, they are called to not only show their faith, but to act out their faith. They are called, you know, there's a great song, and I know I've played it here at some point in the past. Faith Without Works is like a screen door on a submarine. Richard Mullins. And so, you know, young men, as you are going through life and as you are out there, don't be like all the other chuckleheads. I'll just, I'll just throw it out there. Be sensible, and what you're doing, act out your faith, And as you're acting out your faith, have works that goes along with it. And if you do that, I'll tell you what. People are going to look at that guy and go, you know, there's something different about him. And as they look at that, you know, then we get into that. It's very interesting, the very end of the thing is, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So young man, as you're out there preaching, and as you're out there learning, You know, we need to be very careful that people can't look at us and go, yeah. Like how he threw us in there, like, I'm a young man, I know I'm not. You know, people can't go out there and go, you know what, I don't know. That guy doesn't quite have it all together. But ultimately what it comes down to is that, you know, the young leaders, the young men and the young women, for that matter, those are the future of the church. Um, those are the future of this church, and they have a lot of stuff that they're required to do. The end of this passage addresses slaves. Um, some translations call them bondservants. I went back and forth, back and forth, read a lot of things about, I read like a five-page thing on the, the Bible's view of slavery, which, wow. Super interesting, not going to get into it here. In my mind, I thought, you know what, we have old men, no, sorry, older men, older women, younger men, younger women. The one group that's missing is the children, so maybe those are the slaves? (laughs) I couldn't find anything to back that up. Um, But I did think about it, but I, I couldn't find anything to back it up. But kind of as I finished up Looking at the bond servants or as the slaves, you know, a lot of us, as we work places, you know, we're employees. We are subject to rulers. You know, we have bosses. We have people who are telling us what to do. And so in, in one sense, this whole passage on bond servants applies to every single one of us. As we go out there and we interact with the world, you know, Paul is telling us, you know, be cheerful. Um there are people I work with, I've been here 30 years at my job, you all heard that that will tell you I'm always cheerful. They're wrong because I'm not always cheerful, but I try. Um, not argumentative, they're trustworthy. They're not stealing, kind of a big one for bond servants. And ultimately, what that whole section on bond servants in my mind is, is that we are ambassadors to the world. That when we're out there and we're under, you know, someone else's control, we still are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We still are called to uh, to reflect sound doctrine, which is the good news of Jesus. So as I read through, uh, you know, let's be honest. Anybody here probably could have read that passage and went, "I got it. I'm going to love my husband, I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm not going to drink too much. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to be sensible. I'm going to do all the things. There's a list. Check, 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 check. When I do all of them, I'm good to go. The problem is, there's another list in Timothy that's a little different there's a list and there's lists all over the place. And if you're going to check out the one list, you need to find all the lists and make sure you're hitting all the things. And when you start doing that, this starts to get to be really really tricky as you live your life. So I guess in summary, not in summary, but I guess here's what I got. Here's what I think that this passage is telling to us as the Casper Alliance Church. You know, he wrote this in chapter 1. My wire is pulling. In chapter 1, he wrote, They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching shameful gain what they ought not to teach. You know, Paul's intention as he wrote this is that he's addressing the entire family. Um, He's not saying, Older men, this is for you to fix Younger women, this is for you to fix. He's saying, this is affecting the whole family. I'm speaking to the whole family. Hey, whole family, listen up. It's also interesting because my understanding is the way these letters came, someone would come running in and go, hey, I got a letter from Paul. And they would read the letter in front of the whole congregation. Well, the way he wrote this letter... Sounds to me like the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women, and the children, bond servants are all there. And so Paul is is meaning to that that its intention that you know what all these ages, all these groups, they're all interacting, they all live together, they're all worshiping together, they're all living together, and each group has got different temptations. They've got different problems. They've got different responsibilities. They've all got different things that they're doing. And Paul is like, I'm talking to all of you, and I have one message that I want you to all know. And that message is, people are watching. Three words. I think that Paul is telling us in this first half of Titus, people are watching. Um, I broke it up into that means two different things, but it really means the same thing two different times. You know, we, as the Casper Alliance Church, we are called by this passage in Titus to be people who are different. We're called to be, you know, older men who are not grumpy and are persevering in the faith and are living our faith, and living, and growing, and teaching. And the older women are teaching the younger women, and the younger women are are loving their children, and they're um, loving their husbands, and they're submitting. And as a family together, we are following these rules. We are running our lives in accordance with the good news of Jesus Christ. And the second meaning directly tied to that is there are people out there, outside these walls, that are looking at you all and are looking at this church and are looking at the way that we live and they're saying, you know what? They're different, I hope. That's the question. Are we different or are we like everybody else? Are we, you know... We come here on Sunday morning, and I've threatened my children. You will be good today. You will not throw a fit today. You will not add to the sermon today. There are several things that we have all told our children so that everybody thinks that, oh, look at that family. They're so great. And then if we all of us get together, and everybody behaves, then we walk out of here, and the world looks at us and goes, wow, I want to go to that church. Because those people, they have it together. I would rather that they come here because we, as the bride of Christ, have something that they want. We may not have it all together, and my kids may not behave, you know, I may be fighting with my wife, whatever. I may be struggling in my faith. Maybe this week I'm not persevering. You know, it happens. But I would rather that people are coming here and going, you know what, those people know this story. The story of Jesus, and they are letting that dictate how they live their lives as individuals, as families, and as the Casper Alliance Church. And I want that. I one day was sitting, you know, I've been an engineer. I work as an engineer. I was sitting in a meeting, actually, at the Ramcota, and this was 20 years ago. And there's a guy sitting two rows in front of me, and he's wearing a shirt that says, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. St. Francis of Assisi. Now, have you ever seen the meme that says, don't trust everything you read on the internet, Abraham Lincoln? (laughs) You see that one? Turns out Francis may not have said that. Um, It's been attributed to several other people. Francis is one of them. It's a whole thing. But it's still true. We are called to preach the gospel at all times. When you're here, when you're with your family, when you're at Sam's Club, when you're at work. However, wherever you are, we are called to preach this story, the sound doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that the church, the bride of Christ, is attractive so that people will say, you know what, I want that. I want that bad." Found a great quote, I wrote it down, don't know who said it, somebody on the internet. If our lifestyle does not reflect the character of God, our testimony is neutralized. You know, if I stand up at work and I say, you know what, you should all live this way. And they're like, you know what? He doesn't live that way. I've seen him not live that way. I don't believe it. It kills your your testimony. Um, So I said that this passage is not meant to be a comprehensive list. I think what this passage, what Paul's telling Titus to tell the people of the church is You need to be different. You're all in the world. You're all called to be in the world. But you don't have to be like the world. Something about you needs to be different in such a way that people say, there's something. There's something there. Um, We have an amazing story. The people of God have an amazing story. And Jason has talked about our stories for, for months now. We all have a story. We've all seen Jesus work. We've all seen God do amazing things in our lives. We should be telling that story every single day. Um, at some point, it just becomes automatic, right? That's the hope, that I just get up and I have a loud the gospel of Christ to permeate me so hard that it just oozes out all the time. When um, my wife, who uh, had a bone marrow transplant in the summer of 1998, so we're coming up on 23 years now, um, she's at the University of Colorado Hospital in Denver. She was in the hospital for almost exactly a month, like inpatient. And this is one of those, when you come in, you put the gown on, and you wash your hands. It's kind of like going to Walmart now. But at that <laughs> point in time, it was it was going into a hospital. <clears throat> you know, she was in there. Our kids were tiny. We tried not to bring them up very much just because it was a lot for them. But honestly, at that point in our life, and... Um, were the only one who knew us then. Um, we were just existing. You know, I was living in Denver. My wife was in the hospital. I was living in Denver. We had a, I think they were like six and four by that point in time, living at Grandma's house. They didn't really understand what was going on. Zach, um, who's now 20, he'll be 27 in a few weeks, he, not that long ago, he was like, I was wondering why we had so many pictures of Grandma's house that one year. Like, because that's what you did that whole year. But anyway, I was just going up there. Um, the, the hospital had the worst cable system in the world that you could always find. Lawrence Welk reruns to watch on Sunday afternoons. So, you know, that was what our life was. And Beth was sleeping a lot, and I was reading and playing Tetris on my thing. but when we left, you know, after a month, they're like, okay, your cells have grown, you can move on, Um, just don't get sick, and good luck eating, because it's going to be rough for several months. Um, But as we were leaving, one of the nurses was walking us out, and she said to us, and we have always remembered this, she said to us, thank you, and Beth and I looked at each other like, what, thank you? But, you know, we, we should be thanking you. You just saved my wife's life. You were there in the middle of the night when she needed help. You know, you brought her the things. You, you gave her the medicines. You, you filled her whatever she needed. And you're thanking us. What are you talking about? And she's like, we enjoyed having you guys here because there was something about you. That we don't see in this situation very often. And I don't tell that story to say, look how fantastic my wife and I are. You know, I tell that story to say, you know what? We were hanging on by a thread. And, you know, we didn't know what was gonna go on, we didn't know if it was gonna work. You know, we didn't know any of that stuff. But but we knew the message of Jesus. And we had hope, and we let that hope just cover us every day. And we had people praying for us all over the world. Um, we had people in Russia who were praying for us, which was just baffling at that point in time because this is like before the internet. I mean, this is <sighs> we had we had a phone with an answering machine in the hospital room. That's that's how long ago it was, but. But we were just letting letting that hope that we had ooze out. And at least to that one nurse, she was attracted to that. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God is telling Titus here. That's what God is telling the Casper Alliance Church, and that's what God is telling every person in this room is: you know what? Here's these things, here's a checklist, here's some things to do. It's not comprehensive. Um, but this is a good place to start. But what I want you to do is be different and be attractive because people are watching. Um, I had like three uh, musical theater references that I wanted to make, and I knew a lot of you would be like, oh, please, no. Um, no. But I'm going to tell one. I've narrowed it down to one. Um, and it's going to be a musical Jason's talked about before. Hamilton. <laughs> the very last song in the musical Hamilton is called Who Will Tell Your Story. And the whole musical is a, is a story about the life of Hamilton and all these things he did as a founding father and doing all these things. He never got to grow old, though. You know the story. He got killed in a duel. He never got to tell his own story. We may not get to tell our own story. You know, something may happen. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to throw examples out there. But he lived his life in a way. He communicated to his wife in a way what his priorities were that they were able to then go on and tell his story. And I guess that song, when I hear it, it just hits me because it reminds me that I may not get to tell, I may not be around forever, but I have a story to tell. So I need to make sure that I'm telling my story now and I'm not waiting until whenever, you know. When I retire, I'll tell my story. Tell your story now. Tell your story every day. Tell your story to whoever you talk to and keep telling your story. Final quote, and then I'm going to pray. There's an author whose name is Paul Coelho, and he wrote some books. My son really likes him. He wrote a book called The Alchemist that I haven't read. But anyway, (coughs) he has this quote The world is changed by your example not your opinion. You know, I can go out there and say, you know what, I think that we should be doing this, and I think that the world should go this way, and everything should happen this way. But if I'm not living that way, it's not having any effect. So, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, I thank you for the fog this morning, because I thought it was so cool coming in. Um, I just thank you for the moisture that you send to the earth. Um... I don't thank you for the ice on the roads, Lord, but um, I just thank you for your goodness to us as your people. Father God, I pray now that as we uh, go from this place, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, you'd be showing to us the amazing story that you have given us, um, both the story of Jesus and the story that we each have in our own life. Lord. And Father, I pray that you'd give us boldness, and you'd give us strength, and you would give us endurance to share that story, and Lord, most importantly, to show it in our life, Father, that as we live, we would be attractive to the world, and that people who need you would say, I want what that guy has, and that you would draw them to them through us. Father, thank you, and uh, just bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Flynn, let's say goodbye to our online people. So let's we'll shut off the broadcast, um, and we're gonna. I'm gonna ask.